Today's shiur is dedicated by his family in memory of Harav Mordechai ben Harav Shlomo Zaev Halevi Frankel, whose yotzeit fell this week. And the schut of Talmud Torah, Limud Torah, Barabim, Yamod Lo Ulzaro, Hi Zechor Baruch. This week, Pasha Tazria Umetzora, I would like to discuss perhaps the main storyline of Pasha Tazria Umetzora. Of course, what I have in mind is the mysterious affliction known as tsarat, which we sometimes translate as leprosy. Ve'yakaparik Yud Gimel, Pasuk Aleph, says as follows. Ve'yadabar Hashem Moshe v'alaron le'mar, God spoke to Moshe and Aaron as follows. Adam kiye v'or b'saro se'et o'sapachat o'vaheret v'yad v'or b'saro l'nega tsarat. So a man who will have some sort of skin lesion. And I will not translate these various terms of se'et, sepachat, vaheret for the moment. And this um, affliction in his flesh, b'sarol, the negat it becomes a negat and we'll translate this as a tzara'at affliction. Now what happens? Then muva al Aron kohen and he is brought to Aron kohen or al-chadmi banav or to one of his sons, the kohenim. And then we're told in Perak Yugimel, Pasak Yimel, and the Kohen will see the affliction, the nega, in the orha basar, in the uh, skin of the flesh. And there is a, a white hair uh, on the uh, lesion that has turned white. And the appearance appears sunken, etc. And we're told in the end of Sukim, Gimel, and Dala, the various diagnostic procedures that the Kohen engages in to say whether this Nega, whether this lesion is either Tameh or Tahara. Now, of course here this is just a, a sample of what follows afterwards. Uh, to a great extent, most of Parshat Tazriya Mitzorah, Perak Yud-Yimel, and all of Perak Yud-Dalad as well are more or less about Tzarat, the various types of Tzarat, um, the various procedures uh, for purification from Tzarat, etc., etc. And the question I would like to begin with, uh, one of the kind of interesting and classic questions, is how are we to understand um, the disease of uh, Tzarat, or the, the affliction of Tzarat, so to speak? What is it really all about? Uh, to introduce this concept, or to introduce this uh, topic, I would like to point to uh, Abarbanel's formulation uh, of this question. Of course, Abarbanel is always... Um, formulates his parshanot, his interpretation, first his question, then his answers. And here in Vayikra Perak Gimel, in, in She'ila, hey, in his fifth question, Abarbanel says as follows, Lama tzivta Torah b'tzarat sh'yuva ala kohen? Why did the Torah command vis-a-vis tzarat that it should be brought to the kohen? Vuhu yitamena o yitarena? And he will either say that it is tameh, it is impure, or yitarena, or will say that it is pure. Uh, and not defiled. And this was not mentioned in the Torah regarding any other sickness or disease. From all the various diseases that a person may contract, is it because Tzarat uh, is a uniquely infectious disease? It is catching. But there are other infectious diseases that can be transferred from one man to another as the doctors have mentioned. And in fact, 
Um, Abarbanel here in his question asks, why does the Torah specifically mention tzarat? And what's implicit in Abarbanel's question, is tzarat a natural disease like other infectious and catchy diseases that uh, people have? Or perhaps it's not really a, a natural disease, it's perhaps something else, maybe a, a kind of supernatural disease is what Abarbanel's hinting at. Um, to put this slightly differently, in these prakim, Perak Gimel and Perak Dalid of uh, Sefer Vayikra, is the Torah teaching us medicine, or is the Torah teaching us something else? And this is, of course, the, the classic question about Torah. Is it a kind of natural, or perhaps an other and supernatural type of disease? And this is one question I would certainly like to touch upon in the Shi'ur, and I think that the text of the Torah is actually relatively clear about this issue. Okay, that's only one issue, though. Another interesting question for discussion um, is, to some extent, the placement uh, of the uh, story here in Perkut Gimel and Yudalot of Tzarat. Um, we are here kind of in the middle of Sefer Vayikra, Perkut Gimel and Perkut Yudalot, not exactly the middle. Um, after the death of the sons of Nadav Avihu, um, and uh, before the instructions found at the beginning of Parashat Achreimot for the entering of the Kodesh Kadashim in the aftermath of the death of Nadav Avihu. And here, kind of in the middle of this middle piece, which extends from about Perak uh, Yud or so until Perak Tetzayin or so, we have this corpus of uh, Tzarat, Perak Yud Gimel and Perak Yud Dalet. Um, now, of course, it's part and parcel of a larger uh, unit that talks about Tumah V'Tahara. Um, before Tzarat, the, the Tumah and the Tara of the Yoledet, of the postpartum woman, and after Tzarat, the Tumah and Tara of the Zav and the Zav, one who has emissions, but still it is, to a great extent, um, the major part of this corpus of Tumah V'Tahara found in Perak Yud Aleph uh, through Tet Vav. And I think the interesting question to ask is, um, what is Tzarat doing here in the middle of Sefer Vayikra? Not so much the question of the nature of the affliction or disease, but the question of the placement. And I think on some level, the two questions are interrelated, and I would like to try to uh, elaborate on this a little bit in the Shi'or. Um, now, let us begin with the first question, the question of whether Tzarat is a natural or a supernatural disease. And interestingly enough, uh, Abarbanel and Olim of Farshim, in the end of the day, adopt the position that it is a, a natural disease. It's a disease like really like any other disease to some extent. Yet, uh, nevertheless, it's mentioned here in the Torah, despite the fact that it's simply a normal, regular, run-of-the-mill disease. And Abarbanel, in his comments, says, Ba'avro, Shahya Aron, Chacham Vinavon, Lahavdil, Nega Nega. Because Haron was wise and intelligent and understanding to differentiate between one lesion and another lesion, ba'adam uh, ubabeged, whether it be appearing on a man or on a garment, lechein ba hadibur hazeh lemoshe ulaaron etc. lefisha haya hatzarat roa mezeg gadol ba'adam v'efsha sheida ha'adam hashchatat hamezeg va'afushali. Basically. Um, Abarbanel points out that Tzarat is, in fact, a disease like any other disease, fundamentally a natural disease, but just a little bit different. It is a severe distortion of the humors of the balance uh, of man. 
Um, it is the kind of disease that requires the great chachma, the ability to distinguish of our own Kohen. And therefore, it is mentioned here in the Torah specifically, although it's simply put a regular run of the middle of the disease. And this is more or less, and this is the approach of our Barbanel. Um, and other rationalistically oriented commentaries, Ral Bag also famously held a similar position to that of Abarbanel. Now, um, with all due respect given to uh, Ral Bag and Abarbanel's approach to understanding Sarat, uh, this is certainly not the approach of Chazal, uh, nor the approach of most of the Mefarshim to understanding Sarat. And I think it is relatively uh, to prove from within the text of the Chumash itself that Sarat is very different than other diseases. It is what I refer to as a kind of supernatural uh, disease might be the way to think of that. And I think there are two or three ways to approach this. And I would like to begin by looking at the word uh, that the Torah uses to describe Tzorat or the specific term for a Tzorat lesion. Um, if we take a look again in Parak Yud Gimel, Pasuk Aleph, the Torah says as follows, um, the phrase used here is that the that which appears in the uh, skin of his flesh appears as a nega tsarat. Nega, uh, we've translated this as a affliction, an affliction of tsarat or a lesion uh, of tsarat. Um, and we go on, again in Pasuk Gimel, and again in Pasuk Gimel, the hair of the nega become white. Um, and then in the, again in Pasukim Nega Tzaratu, and just in these few short Pasukim that open the Parsha of Tzarat from Parak Yudimel, Pasuk Aleph through Pasuk Dalet, the term Nega, uh, meaning um, affliction or lesion, appears six times. Now, um, of course, this is not the first place uh, that the Torah uses the term Nega, and I think the Torah in general uses the term Nega in a very particular fashion. I would like to like, take a look at a couple of other places where the word Nega appears. I think they're indicative on some level of what Tzorat is all about. If we go back for the moment to Bereshit, uh, Perak Yudbet. Uh, Bereshit, Perak Yudbet is actually the first place in the Torah where the term um, Nega appears. Now, if we go to Bereshit, Perak Yudbet, Pasuk, um, Perak Yud, pardon me, Bresh Perak Yudbet, Pasuk uh, Tetzayin. The Torah tells us as follows. This is, of course, the story of Avram um, and Sarai's arrival in Egypt, or time in Egypt. And we're told as follows. Avram heitiv ba'vura. And it was very good for Avraham. His wife, Sarai, was taken. It became, it was quite good for him as a result. And he got lots of stuff. But then, of course, uh, God intervened. And we're told in Perak Yedbet, Pasuk Yud Zayin, Hashem et paro nigaim gidolim. And God, let's translate this as afflicted. God afflicted paro nigaim gidolim, very great afflictions, vet beto, and his household, al dvar sarai eshet because of the matter of sarai eshet Abraham. Um, 
Now here, explicitly, the Torah tells us, uh, God gave the nega. Uh, the nega, the affliction, or the apparently the lesion, is something that comes from God. And furthermore, as the story goes on in um, And Paro said to Avram, why did, what did you do to me? Why did you let me take Sarai, who is, of course, your wife, why didn't you say that she was your wife? Why did you say she was your sister? Now, of course, the fascinating question, uh, what's absent here in the text, is any point in time where um, uh, where Paro is told uh, by anyone uh, that Sarai is uh, Abraham's wife. Now, quite possibly... Um, Quite possibly, Sarai told him. Uh, or alternatively, simply put, the simple interpretation of Psukim, Paro deduces it. If he gets a nega, which is obviously understood as something coming from God, an affliction coming from God, then obviously it must be the case that this is a married woman. And so I think the language of the Pasuk here of Ayinaga Hashem, it's Paro, and likewise the deduction by Paro that Sarai is married to Avram indicate that a nega, and affliction is something that comes from God. Now, another uh, clear and obvious proof of this based upon the term nega also comes from the context of paro, but I have in mind a, a slightly different paro. If we jump ahead in the Chumash to Shmot Perak Yud Aleph, um, Pasuk Aleph, uh, towards the end of the story of the Makot, of the plagues visited upon paro in Mitzrayim in a later generation, and Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph of Sefer Shemot says as follows. Again, God says, I will bring a nega, an affliction, uh, upon Parova Al-Mitzrayim, and afterwards he will send you away. And, of course, what is this referring to? Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Dalid says, And all of the firstborn of Egypt will die. In other words, Makot Becharot is referred to as a Nega. It's referred to as a uh, affliction, um, as a uh, affliction, and of course, this is something that comes from God. So here, the term nega seems to indicate a divine visitation, something that has come from God, not just in Bereshit, Perk, Yud Bet, um, the story of Abraham and Sarai in Mitzrayim, but likewise in Shmot, Perk, Yud Aleph, the story of Makat Becharot. Now, I think, in fact, this is connected up to another aspect of the word nega, and another aspect of the story, of the larger story of God vis-a-vis Egypt. We, of course, all remember um, Shmot Perekhet, um, the Makkah of Kinim. Um, at the beginning of the story of the Makot, um, the Chachumei Mitzrayim are able to reproduce the effect of the Makot, and as a result of their being able to reproduce the effects of the Makot, this is overall not particularly impressive to the Egyptians. Um, but in Shmot Perakhet, Pasuk uh, Yud Gimel, uh, we read as follows, And there were kinim, uh, um, these mites or, or lice upon people and animals in Mitzrayim. Pasuk Yudalit says, They attempted to bring out with their tricks and magics the kinim below Yachlu and they could not. This is a, a finger of God. They refer to um, kinim as the finger of God, the etzpa. 
Um, now, that's an interesting image um, because uh, the finger of God, what does one do with a, a finger? Um, one touches with a finger. And the word nega actually, literally, does not mean affliction or lesion, but the word actually means touch. And nega is used as an affliction or lesion uh, that is visited upon one by God because it's a refraction, a reflection of the etzba elokim. And on some level, the etzba that brings the nega, uh, the finger that brings the touch of God, parallels the yarachazaka, uh, or foreshadows the yarachazaka, the strong hand. And it's with the strong hand that, of course, God brings a makah, a slap, or a smack, or the zeronituya, or the extended arm that reaches out and um, takes B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. So I think on some level, within the concept Shuta Shel Mikra, the word nega obviously refers to a, a supernatural affliction that comes from God. It's connected to the notion of the etzba, the touch of God, which on some level foreshadows the hand of God or the arm of God, etc. And likewise, in Sefer Vayikro, when we come back to Tasriya Mitzrayim, I think without a shadow of a doubt, a nega, and Tzorat is of course a nega, refers to a affliction which comes from God. Now, there's another uh, very, very good proof uh, for this idea of Tarat as a metaphysical or a supernatural uh, affliction, a kind of divine affliction, which comes not so much from the term nega, but I think from a kind of interesting parallel, or perhaps an interesting language that the Torah describes um, to utilize... Uh, descri- utilizes to describe what happens to the person, the man who has uh, tzarat upon him. And I'd like to jump for the moment to Perik Yud Gimel, um, Pasuk um, Mem Dalet. Uh, it's at the end of Perik Yud Gimel, um, where we're told what happens to the person who has tzarat upon him after the final diagnosis has been given uh, by the Kohen. And we're told in Perik Yudimah, Pasuk Mem Dalid, it says as follows. Ish Tsaruahu, this is a, a leprous or an afflicted man. Tamehu, uh, he is defiled. Tameyit Tamenu HaKohen Baroshon Nigo. The Kohen defiles him, his afflictions upon his head. Pasuk Mem Hei, Yudimah Mem Hei. Vatsarua, Asherboha Nega, and the one who has Tsarat, who has the affliction or lesion or touch upon him. The Gadav Yufrumim. His clothes should be rent or rendered, ripped. And his head should be uh, unbound. His hair should be wild or unkempt. It's very strange what this means. We'll get to this in a second. And it is called out, defiled, defiled vis-a-vis him. And this is the third thing that's done. Uh, no, that's the fourth thing. Pardon me. Let me get to the fifth. All the days that the affliction is upon him, the lesion is upon him, he's He is cast out of the machane. Now, going backwards for the moment, uh, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, uh, the last thing mentioned here is the exclusion from the machane. Um, well, this is kind of simple. It's because he's tame, it's because he's defiled. Um, but it might be also something more than that if we go back to four. Tame, tame, yikra. Um, the person, they call out about him that he is tame. Everybody looks at him and says, defiled, or the coin calls out, or he calls out, or someone calls out, tame, tame. And, and why? Well, I think apparently this is some sort of sign of shame or disgrace. The person who's had 
who has Sarat is disgraced, is shamed, he's cast out of the camp, and it is proclaimed loudly that he is Tameh. Now, going backwards in these Pesukim here, uh, back in Pasuk Memhe, Al-Safam Ya'ateh. Um, now, as Ibn Ezra points out, what this means is that to their mustache they're covered. What this probably indicates is that the, the garment of a person was pulled up to cover their mouth. Um, and this is rather strange. Why would a person's um, garment be pulled up to cover their mouth? Now, we might say this supports the theory of contagious disease uh, to cover one's mouth. Uh, but Ibn Ezra points to some very interesting psukim in Sefer Micha. Um, Sefer Micha Perak Gimel, um, Pasuk Zion, uh, describes what will happen when the false prophets are disproven. And Sefer Micha Paragimel Pasuk Zion says as follows, Uboshu hachuzim, the seers will be embarrassed, the chafru hakosmim, and likewise, the, uh, the, the, the magicians will be undermined, v'atu al safam kulam, ki ma'ane elokim. And they will have to cover their mouths. They pull up their garments up to their mustaches to cover their mouths. There's nothing to say. When they are disproven, they cover their mouths in shame and disgrace because they have no nothing to say. Because everything that they've said until this point is proven to be false. And therefore, they cover their mouths as a sign of shame and disgrace, a kind of speechlessness. Um, and I think that is also the kind of symbol here. It is shame and disgrace. Which brings us back in Perak Yudyimel, Pasuk Memdalad, uh, and Memhei, uh, to the first few things mentioned in the Psukim, what happens here, the one who has the leprous affliction upon him, his clothes should be torn, and his head should be um, camped. Now, why? Why the tearing of the clothes and the, um, and the, and the unbinding of the hair? Now, this could uh, have some light shed on it by a very interesting parallel to something that came previously here in Sefer Vayikra, and I have in mind the immediate aftermath of the death of Nadav Avihu. If we go back to the moment of Vayikra, Parak Yud, Pasuk Vav, the Torah says as follows, Vayomer Moshe el Haron Elazar Itamar Banav, and Moshe said to Aaron, Elazar and Itamar, his sons, Vashichem al your heads do not unbind, do not grow your hair, do not allow it to become unkempt. Ubigdechem lotiframu. And um, your clothes should not be ripped. Velotamutu, uh, and then you will not die. Valpleidaik, etc. And your brothers, all of Israel, will cry for or mourn for. Yifku here means literally means cry, but on some level it refers to the mourning process. Yifku Hashem will cry for or mourn the deaths of Nadevavu, the burning that God has burnt. So what we're told here, or what Moshe tells Aaron and Lazavi Tamar, is don't uh, grow your hair, don't allow it to become unbound, don't allow it to become unkempt, don't rip your clothes, and everybody else will mourn. In other words, don't mourn. Uh, I.e., the uh, unbinding of the hair, the growing of the hair, and the ripping of the clothes, these are signs of mourning, uh, of tragedy, 
um, and the person, so to speak, comes apart or comes to pieces as a reflection of the fact that their lives or the situation has come to pieces. And, and the physical unkemptness is a sign of or an expression of the internal unkemptness that they feel the act of mourning over this tragedy that has struck them. So, now, when we go back here uh, to Perak Yud Yimel, um, Pasuk Memvav, to the story of the person who has Tsarua. And what we see here again in Parak Yudyum Pasuk Mem, hey, sorry, Vatsura Asher Bohanega Begadav Yufrumim, his clothes should be ripped, Roshu his hair should be unkempt, he mourns. He's not just in shame, but he's in his, and he's not just speechless, um, but he also mourns. Why? Why? Well, I think he's in shame and he's in disgrace and he mourns because it's not a disease. It's because God has visited this affliction upon him. And the reaction of the Isha Tzorah, or the aftermath of having Tzorah, is another clear indication that this is Makat Elohim, this is a divine affliction. So not just from the word Nega, but from the actions forced upon the leprous person, the man with Tzorah, and the parallel to the story of the Nodav Aviyu, we can easily deduce that this is a divine affliction. Now, of course, there is uh, one more uh, proof for this. Um, and this latter proof has already been pointed out by Ramban. Um, we talked a little bit about the structure or the, the overall unit of Perakir Gimel and Perakir Dalit here in Tazriya Mitzvah. Of course, this can be divided up into three basic segments. The first segment, which we have been discussing, Tzorat Adam, the Tzorat of the person. The second segment, Tzorat HaBeged, um, the Tzorat of the garment. And the third segment, Tzorat, which begins in um, Perakir Dalit, um, Pasuk uh, Lamed Dalid, Lamed Yimun Lamed Dalid, the Tzorat HaBayit, the leprosy of the house. So we have Adam, Beged, and Bayit. Now, uh, interestingly enough, in this context, um, a lot of uh, the procedures of the Beged and the Bayit, or the Tzorat, the Beged, the Bayit, the diagnostic procedures, and also the purification procedures, quite parallel quite closely um, the story of Tzorat Adam. They seem to be really uh, quite similar, quite identical, uh, the colors, the diagnosis, the purification. And in the context of uh, Tzorat Habayit, the Torah says in Parak Yudalit, Pasuk Lamedalit, Ki tavo el ha'aretz, el eretz kenana shoni noten lechem, la'achuzah, when you come to the land of Canaan that I give you as an inheritance, v'natati, v'natati, I will put, nega tzorat babet eretz achuzatchem. I will put an affliction of Tzorat in the homes that you will inherit, that you receive as a possession. And here God takes explicit um, uh, credit uh, for the Tzorat. Vinatati, God says, I will do it. Now, commenting upon this, uh, the general notion of Beged and Bayet, Tzorat and Beged and Bayet, in this specific Pasuk, it's worthwhile to note Ramban, Ramban's words here. Ramban says, back in Parak Gimel, Pasuk Mem Zayin, and the garment that has a negatzarat, um, this is not natural, it never existed in the world, and likewise the afflictions of the legions of the houses. And Ramban goes on, he cites the Pasuk um, that I just read you, um, is wholly unnatural. It cannot be explained through any kind of naturalistic lens. And without a shadow of a doubt, all of Tzorat is Makat Hashem, an affliction that comes from God, just as God takes explicit credit for it in the case of the Tzorat Habayit. 
Um, so I think we may quite well prove uh, from all three of these axes that Sarat should be understood as Makat Elokim, as a kind of very specific affliction that comes from God. This because, one, the usage of the term nega, two, the kind of shame and mourning uh, that uh, the one who suffers Tzorat engages in, and three, of course, the parallel between the Tzorat Adam and the Tzorat of the Begad and the Bayat, God taking explicit credit for the Tzorat HaBayat, um, and the fact that these really cannot be explained in a naturalistic fashion. Okay. Um, now, however one explains the Makat Elokin, whether it's for sin in general, um, or whether it's uh, for the specific sin of Lashon Hara, as famously pointed out by Chazal, um, it is interesting, uh, and what I'd like to do in the remainder of this year is to focus on uh, why here? Uh, why specifically here at this point in Sefer Vayikra? What is the connection between Tzarat, specifically almost Tzarat as Makat Elokim, um, maybe, uh, and uh, Sefer Vayikra as a whole, and to devote a little bit of time to that. And I would like to make um, two suggestions. Um, the first already pointed out by the Mefarshim, and uh, the, sli- uh, the second a little bit different. Um, if we take a look um, for uh, the moment, um, at the beginning and the end of Parshat Sarat, the Perak Yud-Gimel and Perak Yud-Dalet, um, the way Perak Yud-Gimel begins, once again, is as follows. Hashem el Moshe the one with Sarat is brought to the Kohen, or to one of to Aaron Kohen, or to one of his sons, the Kohanim. And then in Pasukimu Vara'a Kohen. And in these Psukim uh, here, you have, uh, in, in just in Perikigimu Pasuk Alf, you have the term Kohen mentioned 13 times. And the Kohen plays a key role in diagnosing the Tsarat and deciding whether it's Tameh or whether it's Tahor. Um, and this, of course, brings us to the end of all of the unit of Perikid Gimel and Perikid Dalad. The very last few Psukim, Yudalad Nundalad, says as follows, Zot HaTorah Lechol Nega HaTzarat Vilanatek. This is the Torah, the procedure for every affliction of Tzarat or Lanatek, or the Tzarat HaBeged Vilabayet, Vilaset, Lasapachet, Lavaheret. And then, keep Pasuk, at the very end of Pasha Tzarat, Yudalad Nunzayin, Lahorot Biyom HaTamei Ubiyom HaTahor, to teach on the day that which is Tamei and that which is Tahor, Zot Tarat HaTzarat, this is the procedure of Tarat. So if we think about the bookends of Parshat Tarat, we have on the one hand the idea of the Kohen and the central role of the Kohen, and on the other hand we have this idea of Tamei v'Tahor, the teaching of Tamei versus Tahor, the distinguishing between uh, Tamei and Tahor. Now if we go back to the death of Nadav v'Avihu, back in Vayikra, Parak Yud, and the aftermath of the death to some extent which we touched upon last week, I think something very interesting emerges. Uh, take after uh, Moshe prohibits mourning to Aaron and his sons, we get that little segment which defines the role, the Hilchot Kuhuna, which appears in Perak Yud, Pasuket through Yud Aleph. And we're told in Perak Yud, Pasuk Yud as follows, Ulahavdil ben HaKodesh uben HaChol, and to differentiate between Kodesh and Chol, uben HaTamei uben HaTahor. And the purpose of the Kohanim, or the role of the Kohanim, um, is to distinguish, to differentiate between 
the sacred and the profane, Kodesh and Kol, Ubein HaTamei, Ubein HaTara, between the impure, the defiled, Ubein HaTara, and the pure. Ulehorot et B'nai Yisrael et Kol HaChukim, and to teach B'nai Yisrael. So part and parcel of the role of Kuna, of the role of priests, which must be defined in the aftermath of the death of Nadav Abiyu, here in the book Vayikra, which Chazal called Torat Konim, the laws or procedures of Konim, part of that role is differentiating, distinguishing between Tamei and Tahar, and teaching about Tamei and Tahar. And that's exactly what Parshat Sarat is. It's a kind of example, or an extended discourse on this role of the Kohen. Uh, the distinguishing between Tamei and Tahar, and the teaching of these laws, uh, and the, um, uh, the instantiation, and working out of these laws, on the social plane, uh, it is the role of the coin of distinguishing and teaching about Tumah B'Tarah. That is what is elaborated upon in Perikud Gimel, Perikud Dalad, uh, the story of Tarat. And that would, of course, be a nice explanation. That's why it's located in this point in Sefer Vayikra, um, after the death of Nadav Aviyu, as part of a discourse on the role of the Kohen. Now, uh, this is one idea. Um, although I don't have that much time left, I would very briefly like to touch upon another uh, perhaps, possibly, on some level, related explanation uh, to the inclusion of the laws of Tzarat at this point in Sefer Vayikra. And um, I would like to, and to kind of uh, elaborate upon the idea. I would like to um, touch upon a parallel uh, that, uh, to some extent, I already have touched upon. I'd like to go back again to the aftermath uh, or the, the effect uh, or what happens to the man who has Tzarat uh, upon him. And we return again to Perak Yud Yimel, Pasuk Memhei. And we're told, V'atzorah sherboha nega begadav yufromim, rosho yeh parua, v'asafam yateh, v'tamei tamei yikra, kol yemei asher nega yibo, yitma tameihu, u'badad yoshev mikutz lamachane. If we think about it, we have here a mention of a few, quite a few things, but what stands out, uh, there's the fact that his clothes begadav yufromim, one, Two, Rosho Yeparua, his head is unkempt. The others, and also Michutz Lamachaneh. He's cast out of the camp. Now, if we go back to, again, uh, Parshat Shmini, the aftermath of uh, the death of Nadav Abiyu, and a few psukim there, I think we find something interesting. Um, this, too, is a parsha of Michutz um, Lamachaneh. In Perak Yud, uh, Pasuk Dalid, Moshe commands Mishael the El Tzafan to uh, take the bodies of Nadav Avihu. We're told in Parak Yud Pasuk Dalad Vayikra Moshe El Mishael the El Tzafan Bnei Uziel Dod Aron Vayomalem Kibusu Atachem Eit Bnei Kodesh El Michutz LaMachana. They're taken outside of the Machana, and again in Pasuk Ein Michutz LaMachana is mentioned again, and then in Pasuk Vav Moshe says to Aron El Azar Vitamar Rashichem Al Tifrau Ibigdechem Lo Tifromo Velo Tamutu, uh, do not uh, allow your head to become unkempt. Do not grow your hair. Don't rip your clothes. There are three parallels between the parsha of the death of Nadav Abihu on the one hand, and the parsha of the Ish Hatzorah on the other hand. Um, going in reverse order. One, they are both parshiot of the. Uh, the custom of mourning of unkempt hair. Um, what Elazavi Tamar told not, what Aaron Elazavi Tamar told not to do, and Ishatsur is told to do. They are both parshiot of um, 
the rend, rent garments, the ripped clothing, again, what Aaron Elazar Tamar are told not to do, and yet what the Ishatura must do. And third, they are both parshiot of Michutz Machana, where the bodies in the Nagavari were taken outside of the camp, and likewise the Ishatura is sent out of the camp. Now, in fact, there are um, two more parallels here between the two parshiot, between the parsha of the aftermath of the death of Nadavihu and the parsha of the aftermath of Tzara'at. Um, on some level, they are both parshiot of death. Now, what do I mean by that? Of course, the story of the death of Nadavihu is a story about death, and the word death is mentioned explicitly in it. But it's a bit unclear to us uh, as to how the parsha of Tzara'at is a parsha of death. It might be a parsha of mourning or a parsha of mikutz lamachana, but how is it a parsha of death? The answer uh, can be found by looking at a, another famous story of Tzara'at, that which appears uh, in Bamidbar Perak Yud Bet, the Lashon Hara that Miriam and Aaron spoke regarding Moshe. And of course, remember the story in Bamidbar Perak Yud Bet, God summons them out, uh, becomes angry, and says, why did you speak against um, Moshe, and what happens in Perak Yudbet, Pasuk Yud in Bamibar, the Torah says, V'anan sar me'ala oil, and the cloud lifted from the tent, meaning Miriam mitzorat kashalek. Miriam had tzorat like snow, white like snow. V'yifin Aaron Miriam v'nei mitzorat. And she was leprous. And then Moshe, in the aftermath of this, prays to God. And what does he say after Aaron beseeches him uh, not to hold the chait against Miriam in Perak Yudbet, Pasuk Yudbet, Moshe says, Al nati commit. Let her not be like the dead. One who has tzara'at is equivalent to being dead. Asher b'tzeto mi'rechem imo, the dead one that comes out of the womb of its mother, v'yechel chatzit b'saro, and half of its flesh is consumed. Apparently, the appearance of tzara'at, uh, the half-consumed flesh, um, the boils or the sunkiness, it looks like the grisly image of a stillborn baby. Um, whose flesh has been half consumed. And Tzarat resembles death. It may be a kind of half-death, a kind of shadow of death. And this makes sense, because if it's a touch by God, then of course a touch by God is a hint of possible death to come, a kind of shadow of death. Um, and in the end of the day, this is why the one who Tzarat mourns. He mourns proactively, because he's been afflicted by God, and if the affliction continues, he will not just have the shadow of death visited upon him, but complete and total death visited upon him. So again... Any parsha of Tarat is also a parsha of death. Now, one more connection between the parsha of Nadavaviu and the parsha of uh, Tarat or the Ish Hatzarua. Um, of course, the parsha of Nadavaviu is a parsha of Yom Hashmini. Paraket Pasuk Al says, Yom Hashmini, and Nadavaviu die after seven days of the Mehiluim, Yom Hashmini on the eighth day. Well, if we take a look in Vayikra, Parak um, Yud Dalit, Interestingly enough, it turns out uh, that uh, that the Parsha of Tzorat is also a Parsha of Yom Hashmini. Um, after seven days of the Tarah procedure, of the purification procedure, there's a, there's a giluach, a shaving that happens on the seventh day, and then in Perak Yigimel, Pasek Yud, we're told, um, And on the eighth day, the culmination of the purification procedure of the Mitzorah, of the person who has taught, is the eighth day. 
he now comes back to the Migdash on the eighth day, brings his korban, and then he is purified, comes back to the camp, etc., uh, and the Migdash. In other words, not just both the parashiyot of mourning, and not just both the parashiyot of mikutz Machana, and not just both the parashiyot of death or the shadow of death, but also both the parashiyot of the eighth day. And there's this kind of full-fledged and interesting parallel between the death and aftermath of the death of Nadav Aviyu and the story of Tzarat. Um, what is the meaning of this, and how does this explain uh, the placement here at this juncture in Tzivu Yikra? Well, on some level, we could just say that these literary connections uh, are, not, are enough alone to explain the placement, but I think it's more than just kind of this technical connection. And I think t- there's a kind of deep idea here that on some level unites the two stories and creates a very interesting parallel between the narrative material that precedes the story of Tzarat and the halachic legal material um, of uh, Tzarat. And to understand this, we need to go back to one more pasokin and one more idea, one that we've touched upon to some extent already, found back in Perak Yud, Pasuk Vav, what Moshe says to Aaron, Vayom Moshe, Aaron, Lazal, Itamar, Banav, Rashechem, Al Tifra'u, Begidechem, Lo Tifra'u, Lo Tamutu. Don't mourn, Moshe says to Aaron. Aaron, when confronted with the, the great death uh, or the horrible tragedy uh, of his sons, when he encounters death, what must Aaron do? He must hold back. He must restrain himself. He must pass through uh, this moment. Uh, he must not mourn. He must remain within the Mikdash and he must remain attached to Avodat Hashem, to the Avodah of the Mikdash. This is his role as Kohen Gadol. This is one of the central themes of the narrative of the death of the view, that ability or that requirement of uh, Aaron to, to pass through the death, uh, to work through it, and to remain with Avodat Hashem uh, here on the holy day of Yom HaShmini, uh, to remain in the status of Kedusha. Well, on some level it then turns out that the story of Tzarat contains the same dynamic within it. Um, that the one who has Tzarat, um, he or too has been visited by death, the kind of shadow of death, the makat elokim, the affliction of God. He too um, confronts mourning um, and shame and disgrace and horror. But in the end, he too will pass through this on the eighth day and return uh, to holiness, stay within holiness, return to the machana, return to the mikdash. And it then turns out that um, the legal material here contains within the same kind of dynamic as the preceding narrative material, which might be a further explanation for the inclusion of Parshat Sarat at this juncture in the Torah. So to conclude, not just the role of the Kohen in diagnosing and distinguishing between Tameh and Tahar, but also the kind of conceptual dynamic implicit in the story of Tarat parallels the story of the death of Nadav Abiyu.